0: You're listening to The Real Witches of the End Times, transmissions straight from the Underworld. witches, blood wizards, underworld accountants, and cloud people. Welcome back to the Real Witches of the End Times. I'm so excited. I know I say that every single week, but genuinely, I have Nathan Isaac here, who is the host and creator of Penny Royal Podcast, which, again, for the about a thousandth time on this show. If you haven't watched Hellier, this is a great opportunity to further your paranormal research and do so because this podcast that Nathan has created is such an amazing addition to that whole world and train of thought and everything in terms of whatever's going on in Kentucky but even if you haven't seen Hellier Penny Royal is amazingly interesting and I'm going to throw the mic over to Nathan now and if he can introduce himself and give us a little bit of information about Penny Royal
1: I'm uh, Nathan Isaac, the host and writer of Penny Royal. I call it the Penny Royal Mystery because ultimately it was an investigation that we started working on, oh man, over 2 years ago that really focused on some murders here in town, here in Somerset, Kentucky. That's really where the podcast is focused it is Pulaski County. This entire region that's called the Penny Royal Plateau. Uh so if you're if you're familiar with the song by Nirvana, Penny Royal Tea, that song is about uh an herb called Penny ryle. It's a bastardization of how people say Penny Royal uh here in this area. Yeah, so so that, that song references that herb and a tea made from that herb. Pennyroyal is is all over this region and so it stretches from uh, Hopkinsville all the way to the Appalachian Mountains, Hopkinsville in, the western, in western Kentucky all the way to um, eastern Kentucky, and then up to Lexington in the Bluegrass. So this whole region has had all sorts of crazy, crazy paranormal, just strange events happen. Uh, obviously, if, if people have seen Hellier, then they're familiar with the Hopkinsville Goblin case. And obviously that was in Western Kentucky, but just North of us was also the, uh, the, uh, Stanford abductions of the three women in the 1970s. You know, Edgar Casey is from Hopkinsville and there's just all these crazy stories about this region. And, you know, it was about a little over two years ago that I started to really look at the area. There were a lot of UFO sightings, um, just a lot of strange things. And, and also, it was a really violent place with a lot of, uh, you know, unexplained murders, disappearances. The population here is, is pretty significant for um, a small town. I think the county has like 65,000 people. It's, it's, it's one of the bigger counties in Kentucky. Um, Somerset is, you know, the, the county seat. I'm not from here. I moved here with my wife. You know, she's from here originally. Um, and when I came here, there's this crazy rich history about the region, the Civil War history, and and all of these records about just wild things that had happened here. And so I really started digging into that. And a major part of Pennyroyal was that journey of looking at the history of this place, you know. And and that's sort of the the tagline to the show is you know it's the magic and mystery of place. And I really wanted to answer the question of you know does a place influence and sort of define the people that live there or do the people define the place? And, you know, it's kind of a chicken or egg situation, you know, question, but I, I really wanted to look at that because there, there was just such a weirdness here, um, especially being an outsider. And when we started looking, I mean, it really was just a, just a podcast about this place and about the stories and the folklore here and then as it progressed we became a part of the story you know we intersected with hellier um you know greg and and the team came down here and interviewed us for the show and it was crazy how what they were looking at intersected with what we were looking at and there were a lot of things at that point that i dismissed that i was like there's just no way any of this stuff that i found is happening here and then when Greg came, it was like, holy shit, you know, they've been contacted by this lady who's saying some of the, the things, uh, confirming some of the things that, that I, I, I had dismissed. And so I, th- I think for Greg, too, at, th- at that at that point, you know, he and Connor and Carl were, were in the room with me. And I think they also, I was saying things that confirmed a lot of things that they had totally dismissed. And so it, it was a weird intersection um, obviously if you listen to Penny royal and watched Hellyer, you see the crazy intersection between both shows Pan and then Dan Dutton and you know Dan Dutton and I were working on it are still we're finishing up the film about his opera the fawn uh, that he created back in 2007 and he had a series of strange event, you know, strange encounters in 2007 in Elkhorn City Hellier is a suburb of Elkhorn city. Um, so there are all these just crazy overlaps. And then after, after, uh, you know, Greg left, you know, and, and everything sort of started up again and we started digging deeper, we just found all kinds of just insane stuff and things started to happen that started to affect our lives. That's really what became Pennyroyal, you know, was that sort of experience that's still happening right now. You know, there's so much that we didn't put in the first season that that's just going to go into this to another season that we're working on that tells the rest of the story and things that are happening now, even after the show came out, all kinds of just insane things have been happening. It's one of those weird experiences that, you know, the show's a documentary, you know, it's eight episodes uh, and it's very self-contained with a beginning and end, but it's nuts how much of a transformative experience it's been to interact with that narrative but also to see it continue to play out every day and every week you know and and that's sort of a, a, a brief nutshell without saying too much you know about it but yeah
0: the first time that i have technically ever saw you was in hellier season two and this is something that i've noticed in my life is i'll see people kind of in like documentary series is that end up becoming something as significant as Hellier for a certain community or other podcasts and something will happen where those moments will stick in my head like when people walk onto screens and things like that um, and then I immediately get this feeling like oh like I should either talk to this person or, or I feel like I would be friends with this person or I I feel like I would get along with these people and I had that when I first saw Tyler Strand in Hellier Season 2. And then when I saw Marco present at Phenomenicon, which is the online paranormal convention that or conference that Greg and Dana put on back in September. And it's like I hadn't even heard anything yet. And I just decided that I wanted to talk to these people. And then when I heard through Marco that you, well, he was on Penny Royal. And I listened to part of the first episode and I hadn't even really dived into it yet. And I just realized that I wanted to talk to you about it. And then I listened to the rest of it and was just blown away by the amount of research that you guys go into that is of kind of what Hellier hadn't gotten into at that point, which was, I'll come back to this too, but about like the people, like the actual 3D people, the what some people would refer to as possible, like cults or things like that, that Hellier touched on, but didn't dive into at that point. It was such an amazing piece of the puzzle to have in terms of context that I didn't know that I would be able to get access to really at any point. But what stuck out to me, again, in terms of kind of the odd way that I tend to meet a lot of the people that I interview for the show is that someone said, I don't think it was you, but they referred to in the first episode uh, to the meteorite as mana. But most people say mana as mana, at least in the people that I know in my life. And there was something about the way this person said it, the exact inflection of their voice that sounded exactly like the way my family says my name. And it wasn't even just mana. It was like the exact tonal way it came out of their mouth that it actually my brain got activated like oh like someone in my family is saying my name and then I was confused for a second I was like no I'm listening to a podcast that was really weird and so I just noted that um and then you mentioned Sedona as being kind of a similar place in the United States that has a lot of the really bizarre activity that Kentucky does. It's also on the 37th parallel that people are really drawn to. And I've had a ridiculous amount of synchronicities that are make no, absolutely no sense just around specifically Sedona in the past month that when that came up to not long after someone said mana, I was like, okay, Uh, I have to, (laughs) I get it. I have to talk to, talk to you. And even through like the conversation that we've had um, on Facebook messenger, (laughs) I'm just getting like really excited talking because even like the day that I picked, because I pulled the green man card on possible days to ask and see if you would be willing to interview on certain days. And that was really bizarre because that was the same card that I pulled right before and right after I interviewed Tyler And I have multiple different decks. And it wasn't like a conscious decision to choose that one because it had it in it. It was just next to my computer. Then just a lot of other things that have happened since then in terms of this idea of place and everything. So I don't really know where I'm going with this specific piece. But it just feels kind of like retro causality in a way. But I don't really know how to explain that any further than the amount of information I just presented just now. (laughs)
1: No, I mean, no, I think that's like so much of what we discovered that I think is happening. And I think just a lot of this story that's playing out, you know, at the end of Penny Royal, by the end of the first season, what we were looking at to me very much was about these information structures, you know, and, and just and and trying to describe these, these ways that that all of these things connect together because you know a, a large portion of Pennyroyal is not about the paranormal or mm-hmm. I would say that, that there's an underlying layer of the paranormal like all of the stuff with Guterma and the mine and Spear and and the connections between all of these very powerful people that were doing sort of nefarious things in Kentucky, you know and in Pulaski County, you know, those are real things. Those are real people. Whether or not uh, Guterma was actually involved in a cult at the mine, you know, I, I don't know. But, but it, it became one of these things where it was like, it doesn't matter if he was actually part of that, because he existing and coming here became a part of this constellation of events that we began to observe. And so there was this like weird way in which time sort of time and place were a big part of that. And this, this idea that things happening now could have affected events that happened in 1973, you know, 1975, 1979, and that events in 1979 could be affecting things now. And only in the specific way that they've played out to cause these exact moments. Even this conversation, right? Yeah. And even what we've talked about, you know, on on Messenger, like all of these things seem to be falling in line in a mechanistic way, right? But but not in a linear mechanistic way, Mm -hmm. in a way that's very difficult to sort of look at but it seems to involve a lot of people and a lot of information in a lot of ways that these people interact with each other, you know? And like, I have no doubt tonight that you and I, like, whether, whether or not it's part of the recorded part or if, you know, obviously we'll have to talk about some stuff afterwards. I'm going to tell you things that are going to put in place things that are going to send you off into a crazy sort of side journey and you're going to tell me stuff that's going to click into place. You know what I mean? I know it. I, I just, yeah, totally. I just know yeah. that this is going to happen and, and hopefully that people listening to this can, can at least feel some of that, because I, I guess that's the thing too is like all of this, like trying, you know, telling the Penny Royal story, you know, meeting Greg and, and, and becoming friends with them and, and sharing information with them you know, kind of back and forth and, and, and seeing how all of this is happening, you know, they have a whole experience that they're having. We have this experience that we're having here. You're having an experience. And there are other people that we know of that, that, and, and in, in, that way, it, it's just, it's just so strange how personal all of this is, but at the same time, there's this weird universal layer to it. Um, and, and I think that's where magic comes in whatever you want to call it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, call it magic, but call it something else. I don't know. Call it quantum mechanics, you know, call, <laughs> call it, you know, entanglement or, you know, in, you know, this whole cybernetics theory, you know, second order cybernetics, whatever the thing is, but, but there's this, you know, mechanism to the way reality functions. And for some reason we're all interacting with it right now. And it's really, really, like it's both beautiful and absolutely
0: terrifying at the same time. Yeah it it feels like, in the, especially in the past, I would say since about March, which is when I started this podcast initially, it feels kind of like I'm free falling. But everything that I'm experiencing on the way down to somewhere is just so perfectly timed, seemingly that it's like I couldn't make it up. Like I couldn't write a fiction movie or whatever like there's that phrase that truth is stranger than fiction that is honestly what it has felt like because i've gone from starting this podcast and just kind of interviewing a couple of people i know to talking about incessantly like throughout my early layers or the early episodes that i've shared just little things from hellier or different things that i had feelings about or wanted to talk to people about to reaching out to people who are actually parts of the different podcasts and shows that I have been really interested in for a long time to talking with those people to developing specific relationships with them to sharing research and then just continuing on this journey that it's almost as if this has become like in a way too like almost a documentary on its own and its own like you referred to in the I have it written down here, I think it's the eighth, the last episode. And this isn't a spoiler because it's just, you know, uh, but it's like this the idea of second order cybernetics or this the idea of synchronicities, like we're just creating all of this stuff ourselves and we're interacting with the world in a way that it is then intelligently interacting with us back again. And then we end up kind of in these chambers of things. Like I was thinking about that in terms of these weird things that have been happening to me in terms of Sedona. Um, and then what's been happening with all sorts of other people as well? That just it it is terrifying. Like it is it is like what what is next? Like how can this? It just seems like it's continually getting more and more intense. I haven't reached a point yet where I haven't been excited or surprised by something. And I had a friend the other day. She was like, "You've been into this stuff for such a long time. Like how do you still get so excited?" It's like because I just keep one upping myself, I guess. Uh, and it seems like you've been experiencing things like that as well. Um, I don't know if you want to get into what possibly you shared with me on Facebook messenger or if that's something. Uh,
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'll definitely talk about that. There's another thing too. I'll, I want to tell you about later in the show. Like I'll tell you about what we talked about in messenger. And then I mentioned the bait cabal, you know, know, before we got on here, I I do want to talk about that a little bit too, because I think, you know, a large part of your audience are, um, Practitioners of magic in one form or another, mm-hmm. I would say. Yes. You know, don't you think so? I mean, like yeah. most, a lot of these people.
0: I don't know what they're doing here, otherwise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that, that's the thing too with Phenomenacon, You know, Greg was gracious enough to let me speak at Phenomenicon, and, and that was really fun to to sort of try to in an you know in forty five minutes lay out sort of what was happening um, and introduce people to. Second order cybernetics and kind of it's it's weird that it's weird that that's become a part of it. I guess I never really thought it would go that way, but then that became this way of trying to describe what was happening. And um, oh, but I, I do want to say this too. <laughs> you brought up Sedona, and for me, before I moved to Somerset, right? I, I was living in Lexington. I went to college in Lexington, and that and that's where I met my wife. Sedona was always this sort of like, you know, I've I've traveled a a lot of places in the world. And at that point, too, we'd traveled, you know, Iceland, Bali, like all these places. And I hadn't been to Sedona. But I was doing this research about, you know, UFO sightings and, and, and people seeing things. And they kept saying, you know, Sedona kept coming up. And I was like, what's the deal with Sedona? You know, it's all of these UFO sightings. And, and that's what initially, you know, I explained it in the show, you know, that's what prompted me to look at a map of the geomagnetic activity in uh, America, right? And so, you know, I, I find that map and I, I drop it into Google Earth, which absolutely, I think people should do that. I mean, there, there's so much stuff on NASA's website, uh, the European Space Program's website, so many of these things have uh, maps from satellites that you can use, and 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 you know, lidar maps, all kinds of crazy stuff. So, but I'd use that to find out that yeah, underneath Sedona there really is a spike of geomagnetic energy, and I knew that there was quartz there, and and that's always been sort of a significant thing. And if if anyone's familiar with Sedona, that's become a mecca of people say New Age, but I don't even think New Age works anymore you know in terms of <laughs> in terms of what's happening now i think we just have to get rid of the term new age because whatever this is 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 something else but all these people crystals quartz getting your r red ufo sightings you know the there's a ranch there that's sort of like skinwalker ranch but it's not you know it's it's a different ranch but there's portals and all this crazy stuff so i had always just loved I romanticized Sedona. You know, I was just like, look at this place. But but when I found out how many UFO sightings they had and then how much, you know, what a spike of geomagnetic energy was there. I was like, OK, maybe that's what's affecting people. And and that's when I really, you know, I dropped the, the KMZ file into Google Earth for uh, geomagnetic activity in the U.S. from satellites. And boom, Sedona lit up. Southern Alaska lit up, which, if anybody is familiar with any of the research about this, this will sound like really crazy, but uh, I, I don't want to get in like weird conspiracy. I, I don't think of myself as a conspiracy theorist, but uh, Linda Moulton Howe has a lot of stuff on Coast to Coast and on her own website about this pyramid in Southern Alaska that supposedly this military group found, right? and she's interviewed all kinds of people that say they were part of the project but honestly when you when you look at this the the three highest spikes of geomagnetic energy in the US there's one in southern alaska in the area that she's talking about right so then it's like is something there you know uh, are they studying something there but sedona is the second most powerful and then it turned out that somerset kentucky was the most powerful spike of geomagnetic energy, you know, of geomagnetic field welling up from within the Earth in the Western Hemisphere. And NASA refers to it as the Kentucky anomaly. And when you look at the map that NASA puts out, the exact center of that intense field is Pulaski County is somerset kentucky where i'm at right now and and they have a gravitational field map and they highlight this area and so the the geomagnetic energy is so intense here that it actually changes the gravitational field so gravity is different just in this area and so and it's the same thing for sedona and it's the same thing for the place that's in southern alaska I finally got to go to Sedona a couple of years ago with my family, with my wife and our, our, our daughter. It was amazing. You know, it was just amazing to be there because so much of what I was working on was about that place and to actually go there and to get to be there and see it, you know, really sort of closed a loop for me. But yeah, so, so anyway, but you know, Sedona played a huge role in, figuring out and, and thinking about what was happening here, because honestly, I mean, there's tons of research about how geomagnetic fields and electromagnetic fields affect people's brains. They cause people to suffer from depression. There's higher suicide rates, you know, there's higher rates of bipolar schizophrenia. And so when you, when you talk to you know people that work at Eastern State in Lexington, Kentucky, which is like the largest mental health facility for the state of Kentucky. You know they take people from all over the state to Lexington. When you talk to people that work there, you find out that 70% of the people there are from Pulaski County. Wow. So so then it's like you know what's what's happening here is this causing people to become more violent you know, more depressed and, and, and we've interviewed tons of people that, that, that is so, so literally, you know, when I started to look at the story of how does a place affect the people, I was thinking of it from initially from a folkloric sense, Mm -hmm. you know, of like, how does the place culture, culturally affect the people? I hadn't thought about how a place actually affects people in a physical way, a biological way, a psychological way. And, and so suddenly it was like, this may be causing people. I mean, think about Amy in Hellier, yeah. right? You know, think about, is it possible that she was being affected by some of this? You know? Well,
0: one oh, thing. And oh, remind me. I
1: was, go, 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 go on. I was just going to say, remind me later, though, to tell you about the the Green Man cult.
0: The green man cult. Okay. I'm writing it down. I have notes.
1: The green man cult. All right. Right. Make that note that before we (laughs) stop talking, I have to tell you about that because it didn't make it into the show. It's going to be in the second season. Um, but I've talked about it on, I think I talked about it at phenomena. I was like, man, I really want, I had it in there. We had a, a fantastic editor for the podcast. He's a really close friend of mine named Boone Williams. He's the lead singer of a band called uh, Tiny Tiny, and they're on um, Suck Music, which is a imprint of Columbia Records out of Australia, which is crazy that he's here <laughs> here in Somerset and on this, this Australian record label, but he's a really close friend. I do a lot of work at the studio where we produce the podcast with bands and and, and music videos, and so uh, Boone and I have become really great friends. So. He cut everything down, and I had a lot of stuff in there that I was like, no, no, we've got to have this, man, we, you know, this tells this part of the story. And he was like, no, man, it's too complex, right? He was like, you've got a beautiful story. You've got to hug that story. All this other stuff, second season. Like, don't even try to throw this at people, you know. And, and that's, the like I was saying, about the Baker and all the, you know, the Green Band cult. It's just, it's things that was like, this is just too much. You know, it's just too many weird things are are happening here that we've discovered that we just can't, we can't throw this at everybody. It's just going to be too much. So anyway, (laughs) remind me, and and I I will tell you, and you're going to, you're going to be like, holy fuck, dude, what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This notebook, I swear if anyone ever finds it, it's just full of all my podcast notes. And I've just, the things I have underlined in here, I think would definitely get me committed. At some point. (laughs) But what I wanted to ask, and this is what I was thinking about during actually a lot of when I was was listening to Penny Row, because I binged it in about two days. Why, if there's such a similar geomagnetic anomaly between like with Sedona and with Somerset, why is Sedona such a mecca for like healing and um, these really seemingly really positive experiences when Somerset is really known for a lot of violence and these cult things?
1: I think that it's, I mean, that, that you know, plays into this, to the question of, is it the place or the people, you know, what affects what? Mm. I think the people here are, I, I tried to get at that concept in the bridge between the fourth episode and the fifth episode, right? The fourth episode, Elkhorn, is about Dan Dutton and Dan's experience when he was working on the fawn. And and doing all this research about Penn. and so at the end of that, I, I guess it was the third episode that we really talk about the cults and the violence and a lot of the the sort of the mur- the murderous nature of Pulaski County and the Penny Royal. And I didn't want people to come away from the third episode thinking holy shit, this fucking place is evil as shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like I didn't want people to believe that this was a bad place because there is a heavy element of violence. So there is this weird undercurrent, this negative undercurrent. But at the same time, there's Dan, you know, Dan Dutton. And, And so he's channeling this energy into this beautiful, creative, you know, all these works of art. and. I think that the people in a place are the ones that if there is an energetic place, you know, like Sedona, the people that go there, they're looking for journeys. You know, they're looking to connect with portals or positivity and energy fields and journeys and trying to find themselves and helping other people to heal and find themselves. So there's an intention there. And a channeling of that energy through positive pipelines, in a sense. And I think here, you know, there could be people that are doing negative things in Sedona. We just don't hear about those things. You know, we don't know. You know, I, I absolutely believe that people who are who are aware of these energies, these currents that exist, that they are gravitate to those places, places that were considered pagan ritual sites, which, you know, it's ridiculous in a a way to say that a place was pagan simply because it was non-Christian, right? Mm -hmm. And so so in Europe, you think of all these places of power for thousands of years, uh, people built religious shrines on or hinges, whatever they, whatever they did, they tried to map out this, these places that they felt connected to energetically. And then the church came in and obviously tore those places down. And they built churches on top of those same places because they also felt something special there. You know, they were able to connect with something energetically there. And the same thing in Sedona and the same thing here in Somerset. People feel this energy that's welling up here, but it's how do they use it? And I do absolutely believe that there were both really, really good people and even magicians that were drawn here, specifically here, because they were aware of how powerful the magic was here, the the energy was here in this specific place the heart of this kentucky anomaly it's like they were drawn here and they used it in a certain way and then there were all of these people whether consciously or unconsciously that existed here concurrent with those people that were doing things that were very very bad things negative things and so that same energy was channeled in a totally different way and it's strange too when you look at the history of this place and you look at what's playing out right now you can see this weird battle line drawn almost between those two currents you know of the good and the bad of the the positive and the negative that as one grows in intensity here the other seems to be growing in intensity as well and it's it's just it's crazy you know it's 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 it sounds nuts you know to even to just describe this to you i'm like well this sounds really fucking crazy you know like people listening to this may be like god damn this guy's fucking nuts
0: well i think you're talking to the right person i am all in
1: It's, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm so, I mean, I love that we're talking about this because I I think this is something that a lot of people don't talk about, you know, like, especially in the paranormal paranormal industry or, you know, this whole, um, the concept of the supernatural, right? People don't really get into sort of the, I don't know the existential, the phenomenological sense of it. You know, they, they don't really even, it's like ghosts and UFOs and dogmen or Bigfoot or whatever it is, right? And, and so they're so tied into that encounter, but they're not really looking at it in a sense of what kind of system would allow these things to happen you know yeah and and i think that's what like all of us are touching on you know what i mean like what's your what you're experiencing what we're experiencing what you know greg and dana and other people are experiencing it's like we're interacting with that system that allows for a lot of these other things too that that people are not even looking at they're just not looking at the system they're not trying to, to discover what the root cause of all of this is it's easy to be like oh it's just aliens you know, or, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is, you know, it's like, oh, it's just this thing, you know, and Mothman is just this, or, oh, it's demons, you know, or, ah, oh, it's ghosts. But it's like, maybe what we're all talking about is the same phenomena. You know, it's John Keel, mm-hmm. all of his research. It's like, why in the world in West Virginia would people see a UFO and then afterwards experience all kinds of poltergeist activity at that location you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. those kinds of things where it's like something else is happening it's not just little green men you know it's not that simple
0: i think it's funny you bring up this idea of existentialism and phenomenology because i do think that's kind of what I do bring to the space because that's what I studied in school was like existential was philosophy. Like that's my entire way I've approached this from the beginning. Cause that's how my brain works. And so actually hearing someone else say those words in context with the paranormal makes me very excited. So I do appreciate you bringing that up. Cause that's what I uh, end up talking about all the time. And sometimes I feel like uh, I get met kind of with like, well, that has no place in this field because this field is different than that but in reality again it's it, to me it's, it's all connected and there's this idea in existentialism specifically life is absurd the absurdity of everything is what makes life what it is and that's so relevant to this whole conversation and basically what i can describe synchronicity and hellier and Penny Royal and all of this is just absurd but just not in the way that people would think of the word absurd but in this idea of it just it doesn't make sense.
1: The fact that it doesn't make sense is why it makes sense.
0: Yes. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Cause it's, it's so like, it's counterintuitive, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like the fact that these things don't make sense belie an underlying structure. Right. Yes. And And I think, and I think that's why people have such a hard time grasping this, you know, it's like, This weekend we had a a show and, you know, a band came and played at the studio. You know, I have all these bands come in and and after the show, I told them some of this stuff. You know, I told them what was happening in town. And, And they're just totally blown away by it because they're like, how could all of this be happening here? You know, like, how could this be true? And I'm like, it's all true. You can look up every fucking article on this. Everything I'm telling you is verifiable. There's no speculation here. Even our personal experiences, like they're fucking witnesses, you know. Like these things are happening, and then they're like, "Well, what the fuck does it mean?" And I'm like, "I have no fucking idea. I have no <laughs> idea what it, any of this means, you know." And, and, but but that's almost the exciting part of it mm-hmm. is that 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 it's like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on is creating all kinds of changes. In my own life, and in the lives of everyone involved in this, and everyone, you know, we've started the the Liminal Lodge. We did a Patreon, and and I, and and just trying to build like a community of people where where we're just putting all this research out, you know, everything we're doing, and and the software that Darian's developing with me, and it's like, here you go, look at this, you know, like, and then every, then people are contacting me and there, and they're finding personal connections to the research that they didn't expect to find, right? And it's like, everyone's becoming another observer in this bigger and bigger experience. Still, it's like, what is going on? To what end is all of this happening? And I guess it doesn't matter if there is at the end of this all, you know, right? However, all of this plays out, for us here, for you guys, for anybody, whatever happens, it doesn't matter if it means anything to everyone because it's going to mean something to you, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's what's I think that's what's so powerful about all of this and so relevant to right now, because it's like everything is fucking unreal right now, you know, fucking Trump Trump. Like all of this shit with fake news and they're like, you can't believe anything that you see. Nothing is real. All news sources are fake. It's all fucking fake. But it's like, that means that anything can exist right now. And that and that's what I was trying to get at in the eighth episode is that the, the, in the finale of Penny Roll is to tell people like, we've lived in a really rational world for... A century we just kept value valuing rationality and concrete evidence you know that this is true this is true this is true and then suddenly now it's like there's an assault on what we believe is true there i mean literally people are saying well oh, you can't trust scientists and it's like what the fuck you know like I mean, you know like that's crazy you know yeah but in that vacuum, in that weird space, that weird psychological, that weird existential, whatever the, whatever you want, you know, numinal. It's a numinal space, you know. There is this place now for things like Penny Royal and things like Hellier and these questions that we're asking that we're able to be like, fuck, man. Magic absolutely could exist. You know, that's (laughs) like people are like, oh, there's no fucking magic. People can't fucking, you know, do a spell and change reality. And it's like, well, fuck, maybe they can. You know, maybe that is part of what's happening. I mean, that's a strange element of this too with Steven Snyder and a lot of stuff that I didn't put in the show that we may never put in the show, but there's a lot of weird stuff about rituals that were performed by. British and American magicians in the 1950s and 1960s, like a a war between American and British magicians and the rituals that they were doing seemed to set up the possibility that Trump would be elected and all of this would play out. Right. And that's a whole other thing that Stephen's working on. And it kind of came out during the research that I was like, oh, I don't know, man, we can't even talk about that. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I am not even getting into that shit. But it's like, oh, man. I mean, you know, these people really believed in these ritual workings, these huge ritual workings. You know, it's like the Empire of the Will stuff where it's like they did that probably to open the Panama Canal all those murders in San Bernardino in 1914 were by a powerful group of spiritualists that were, you know, tied into politics and they killed a bunch of people in a weird ritual to hecate to try to open up the Panama Canal which changed the destiny of America and it sounds crazy, you know, like what Walter Bosley and Richard Spence, you know, and Richard Spence appears in Pennyroyal, you know, and, that, and that's why I contacted him because I was like, the murders happening here in Somerset seem to mirror a lot of the murders in this San Bernardino case back in 1914. And, you know, you talk to Richard about this and he's like, you know, he's agnostic as fuck about all of this stuff, right? He doesn't believe in magic, you know? He's like, "Ah, you know, I believe people believe in magic, but I don't know if I believe magic exists, right?" But he said, "But that doesn't matter. The fact the fact that people believe in it and then act on those beliefs, that's what matters, right?" And I think that's a big thing to remember with what we're all experiencing is that it doesn't matter what you believe, but the fact that these people believe that you know that people acted on those beliefs it has changed history right whether whether you think James Shelby Downard and the whole thing with like JFK and a Freemason you know like all this crazy stuff you know we didn't get into that in the show which is going to be in the second season it's like those people did believe that people that believed weird shit did things that affected your life, right? Yeah. That that have affected history. And you have to come to terms that you live in a world where your reality is constantly being shaped by people with weird fucking beliefs, right? And, Mm -hmm. and like, and like we all sort of, I mean, a lot of people would think what we're talking about right now is totally fucking crazy right
0: yeah. who would
1: even think you know to to suggest that things happening right now that are playing out that we are we are interacting with to even suggest that it's affecting reality people are like yeah that's fucking crazy you know shut your fucking mouth you know but it's like it's true though these things are happening mm-hmm. what do they mean we don't know i mean and in a sense it's like we don't need to know why because if we did, the journey would stop. Yeah, It's the not knowing what the ending is that continues the transformation, that continues the journey. And in a sense, that's really what matters more than knowing why. It's just knowing that there's a journey that you're on.
0: It's funny that you brought up the the idea of different people's beliefs and what they're doing, whether or not you believe in it, it's still affecting your own reality. Cause I actually, I messaged one of my friends today and I was like, what are your thoughts on blood oaths? Like swearing blood oaths to other people. And her response was, well, different different rules for different games, different different beliefs, different realities, all that stuff. To one person, I guess, swearing a blood oath is like a joke and to someone else it can be highly ritualistic and expand beyond one lifetime if you're into that type of thing. So I was just talking- To someone else about that before we were recording which is cool
1: there's a there's a so this will sound kind of ridiculous but (laughs) there's a there's a game a role-playing game that was created in the 90s by a company called white wolf and it was vampire the masquerade was the first one that they created but they had a werewolf supplement and a mage supplement right Mm mm-hmm and it was called Mage the Ascension. And they lived in, I think, Portland or Seattle or Portland is where they created the game. But anyway.
0: That's funny. <laughs>
1: I know that's, uh, that's where you, you know, you're out that way, you know. <laughs> so, so, so they created this game. And I, I, rem- I remember being a teenager and playing this. And the Mage the Ascension part of it all dealt with paradigms, right? And so it was always a war of belief. So if you were trying to perform a certain type of magic, the more people that believed a certain paradigm, like say you were in a tribal place where people believed in tribal magic, right? They believe like all of the people in the community believed in magic. It was much easier to perform magic there because the consensus of reality was that that existed right and so when you tried to perform magic in a city or in a place where people didn't believe in magic where there was more technology it was more difficult to perform non-technological magic right but if you were in a place where it was like you were doing like technology you know digital magic or technological magic it was easier in a city And that always impressed upon me, this, this idea of like, it's true though. It's like people that see a statue of the Virgin Mary moving and thousands of people go there to see that. Right. And there's a, God, I I forget who the guy is. (laughs) This suddenly popping in my mind. I'm like, ah, I wish I could remember the guy's name and the article, but a guy wrote an article about this a journalist, and he went to one of these events where there were thousands of people that saw the statue move. And he was there for a week and a half, and he didn't see it move until the day before he left. But it was like it took a week, you know, over a week, for him to sort of absorb the belief system of all the people around him. They were seeing it move all the time. And then suddenly he saw it move. And he was, I think he was even an atheist, you know, and it was like, why did I, why did I see that? Right. But it's like, did all of those people in that physical place change consensus reality based on, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. they changed the rules of the game, just like what you said. Right. And so, and it's the same thing, think about with Hellier, think how many people you know, and this ties into what I say in the in the eighth episode of Pennyroyal, is that how many new observers were added, onboarded, if you want to talk about in sort of modern so terms, many. You, know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, to that information structure, right, to that reality. And so there was a whole new consensus reality to that phenomena that was perpetually reaffirmed through these feedback loops. Right. And so it's with everything we just, you know, look at the way the world responded and not to get political, but, but to, to Trump, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the way that things sort of shifted in a weird way. It's like what Peter Lavenda talks about in Sinister Forces, you know, this this concept of egregores and tulpas, you know, really, I mean, really, those are those are information structures, you know those are those are 3d printed spiritual structures the more you focus on them you just keep every day you meditate on this tulpa right but if you think about it in a cultural sense a societal sense it's like if millions of people are believing in this thing this symbol that symbol begins to exist in this weird numeral way it it, it really is an entity and if it gets enough complexity it becomes homeostatic you know it becomes self-sustained and it Mm -hmm. has its own sort of it tries to reduce entropy it tries to get rid of things that might harm it It's it's weird that reality may not be as straightforward (laughs) as we were all told as children right you know what i mean because i mean things are happening to us right now that i'm like you know every day even my my wife doesn't believe any of this stuff right you know she's you know she's very agnostic to it
0: but you even said in you said in hellier that she saw the thermometer move on the wall right it was something like that
1: Oh, the thermostat. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, and and that totally happened, you know? Another strange thing is that huh, a guy contacted me and told me... Uh, lots of people have been contacting me since the show came out, right? And I'm like, well, you know, some of it's off the charts, wild, crazy stuff. They're seeing visions. They're telling me all this stuff. And a guy in a fucking huge rant... I mean, he was ranting all this stuff to me. All of a sudden in the middle of it, he says, the thermostat on the wall that moved was the gate for the man who entered your house. And, and that was the exit he used. And I, and then went back into a statement oh about God. a bunch of other stuff, right? <laughs> and it was, like, it was like, he was sending, it was like, it wasn't even about that. I mean, he was talking about shit in where Pan, the the grotto of Pan exists, right? And how the first church, the Christian church was built on that. And it was like this crazy rant. And then right in the middle of it, he had that thing about the thermostat. It would have meant nothing to anyone else, Mm -hmm. right? But to me, it was like, why did he put the statement about the thermostat and it being a doorway? Right. And then why? And then, and I'm like, well, fuck, Amy saw that twice. And, and she, at at no point did she even think that was paranormal. She thought she was having a fucking aneurysm, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, all of this for her has been just like, what is going on, Nathan? You know, I show her these things. I'm like, look at this. Look at how this connects to this. And it's like, Holy shit! And that's what I feel like a lot of responses have been to the show and to this mystery, you know, to the penny roll mystery is how could all of this really be connected? And it is like it is connected in some weird way that uh, it's confounding. You know, it's just fucking confounding. But that doesn't mean that it's not true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just crazy. Yeah, that was one of those weird things where I, I, I've gotten messages from people right now that I'm like, people are telling me I'm looking at this wrong. Pan will fall. That that they're, you know what I mean? Like they they're. It's just like if there's something strange happening. There are a lot of people dialed into this somehow. They're interfacing in some strange way with the same phenomena. But it's like, what is the phenomena? You know, what is the thing? And that's why at the end of it all, you know, that we were like, it has to be information. For cyberneticists, you know, reality isn't matter and energy. They reduce one more level down to information. You know, that's the basic element of everything. Everything is built on information and observation. And every day we create millions of little tiny loops of observation. Mm-hmm. And it's the ones that we focus on, right? The ones that seem significant that we come back to that start interacting with us. And that's where these experiences, I think, are born from.
0: Yeah, that really resonated when you when you were talking about that in the end of the episode. And I do want to jump into what you've been experiencing outside of your recording studio lately because you sent me some photos of it and it was wild
1: yeah so so one of the things that emerged during our research was um a lot of stuff about Carl Jung and um his connection to the nine and um which I'm not gonna go (laughs) it's just too much to go into (laughs) but 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 yeah so Carl Jung uh, in the the nine um this whole séance that changed america just google google the séance that changed america and you'll find this crazy story about all of these like really famous powerful people that were channeling these alien entities right but carl jung was very focused on what how schizophrenia tied into the nature of reality right and and there's this idea that a lot of the 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 assassinations of presidents and dignitaries those all were by predominantly by schizophrenics so it's like is there some signal that they're picking up on retrocausally? you know that there's going to be some big event in history you know that this person is tied to reality in a major way, you know, that, that people, Darian always talks about this predominantly the number one thing that schizophrenic people talk about is the JFK assassination. Right. So then it's like, was that such a significant psychological and existential event in human history that so many people think about it? that there's this thick layer of, if you think of reality as sedimentary layers, that there's a thick layer of JFK, right? And so Mm -hmm. people that are schizophrenic who don't have those filters, who can't filter out information, because we're constantly, as human beings, filtering out information. There's a barrage of information hitting us. And so we're constantly filtering out anything that we don't need for survival basically and so the schiz you know someone who's schizophrenic those filters are broken so they're receiving information that that's not necessary for survival that that normally their brain would be like i don't need that and suddenly it has new significance so that's one of those things that we we didn't talk about in the show a whole lot but We have a huge amount of research about that and it it may end up making it into the second season. I'm not sure yet, but it's definitely a significant thing about how all of this is playing out. So after the show came out though, all of these signs started appearing in front of the bar where our studio is located, which is another strange thing. When you think about the fact that we made Penny Royal, we produced that entire series in a recording studio above a brewing company a bar that's called jarfly brewing and the symbol for the cult of pan is the cicada <laughs> which is which is the jarfly right and this was <laughs> you know we've been there we've been there for years you know what i'm saying yeah. and it's like how in the world is that a thing? You know, so so the show comes out, and then all of these signs start appearing, and there are these crazy statements about Lester Burns and Sammy Catron. You know, the Sammy Catron, the sheriff that was assassinated at a fish fry, right? Mm-hmm. In this weird, what I believe is a killing of the king ritual, and then you know, Lester Burns owned the mine that is so much a part Mm -hmm. of the story and and so it's like why would they even put that in this crazy sign unless either they listened to the podcast or they didn't listen to it but somehow they're picking up that broadcast right and that's not being filtered out and so since then multiple signs So, so so first they appeared just outside the studio um we've had i think there's a total of six signs now that have appeared with three different people. One woman and two different men have put these signs up downtown. And then, yeah, I, did I sent I haven't sent you the stuff about the roof, have I?
0: No, you just sent me three of the photos. And, and by signs, I just want to emphasize for everyone listening. One of the signs is a maintenance door from the bank that shares the alley with the studio. Like, it's literally written on what I thought was a closet door, and that's what was outside.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, they they'd like, taken the door down because it had all this crazy shit written on it. And it's talking about, like, a COVID conspiracy, anthrax conspiracy, uh, swine flu. You know, there's a lot of, like, the typical thing you might see in just this, like, crazy rant. But they keep talking about the people here in town. The people that were, a lot of these people are in jail. They're even talking about former, you know, commonwealth attorney who's in jail. And so, so then I, but I didn't send you this, which I'm going, I I forgot to, because I was like, oh man, I should have sent you this before the show. So yesterday, Amy is, is part of a, a Facebook group and someone posted all these pictures of a roof of a house here in town where someone had climbed on the roof of the house and then spray painted this town is a cult who are the cyber terrorists behind this all of the cops and judges are corrupt and part of this what are their real names help me please call the fbi oh my god And so like this is on the roof of a house across from the, like a healthcare facility here in town. And I'm like, what is going on? And they didn't know about the other signs. You know, they just posted like, did you guys see this? So then I'm like, oh my God, is there a group of people here in town picking up this broadcast? You know, their brains are not filtering this out. that, That somehow the podcast is getting out, but it's like they're being drawn to the studio. You know, they're being drawn to Jarfly for some weird reason. They're congregating there. The, the sheriff's department confronted a guy in front of Jarfly who had one of these signs and arrested him. And it's like they're, they're alleging, you know, this town is a cult. and and, and I, But I don't, again, I don't want people to come away from this saying, oh, my God, you know, Somerset, Kentucky's uh, full of a fucking cult, you know. It's, it's not that simple. You know, it's, it's a stranger story and it's a, it's a more complicated thing that there is something happening here, but it's not just, we can't say it's that group of people, right? Mm -hmm. It's this weird structure of things and people that are, are are a part of this phenomena and it's absolutely crazy but yeah that, that's the only thing about all this so far up until this point everything's been very like positive and in terms of just like being on a journey and a journey of sort of self-discovery and transformation but in the last week definitely there's been a heavy negative element that's concerned me Just because I don't, I'm hoping this doesn't in in a way, you know, trigger anyone to do anything. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't want to, I don't want us to be placed in danger by putting this out. You know, that, that was always my concern, you know, especially with the third episode, Mm -hmm. because there was so much in that, that I felt like was, I was like, ah, hopefully we're not saying anything that someone's going to, to be angry about they're going to want to get back at us but uh, so far it's not been that but also the election all this crazy stuff i feel like in terms of the energy in the air and in terms of like the psychological energy that's pervading america Mm -hmm. right now because of the election it seems like maybe they're ramped up because of that you know maybe it's not the podcast maybe they would have done this anyway but they're picking up on elements in podcasts. But the fact that they referenced Sammy Catron, they referenced, you know, um, Lester Burns, you know, and they'd marked out names. It's like, they're definitely connecting this to the story that we're telling, you know? Yeah. It's definitely a connection. Um, but that's the concerning thing. I just don't want, I don't want to encounter someone. I don't want someone to be like, to think they need to, talk to me. Talk to me about this. You know what I mean? Like I don't need anyone to show up at my house and be like, do you know the answers? You know? Yeah. No one directly has pushed back on this. The biggest thing here in town is that, that people have come up to me and said, Hey man, you've caused me to rediscover the history of this town i would have never even thought that the history here was so rich so now they suddenly their hometown the town they've been born they were born in they were raised in they have this incredible sense of place and this respect for the place and this sort of like wow you know i i grew up in this like amazing place and and even people that have moved away have contacted me and said I listened to the podcast and it made me remember home, you know, that, that you made it feel like home was here again. I've got it here with me. I'm in North Carolina. I'm in Texas, wherever that, that, Hey, it feels like I'm back in Pulaski County. And, and, and so in that sense, so far, there really hasn't been anything negative. Um, And I think people more than anything are, rediscovering their own connections to the place that they were born and the place that they were raised And, and, and people are coming up to me. The, the, I had a a friend of mine, he grew up, this is crazy too. He grew up next door to Lester Burns and he, yeah. And and while I was, while I was doing the podcast, I tried to get him to, to come on the podcast. I was like, let me interview you. Let me interview your family. He's like, no, no way, not doing it. And I, I was like, okay, you know. But he would still tell me information. He was still telling me, you know, stuff I should look at. And recently, I saw him. It was actually uh, just a couple days ago. He said, um, he said, man, I've listened to the podcast. I fucking love it. He said, I, uh, I was talking to my dad. And he said, Dad, was Lester Burns' business partner really Spiro Agnew? And he said, his dad looked at him, just stared at him. And he said, "How the fuck do you know that?" Yeah, he was <laughs> right. And and he was like, "Well, there's this podcast, you know." And the dude, and his dad was just like, "What the fuck? Why would you even bring that up?" And so it's and and, and so he came. And he was like, "Oh man, you know, it's like now he's looking deeper into his family's connections to Lester Burns and all these things, and and it's just like." It's crazy. It's, it's a crazy way that folklore and place and family and all these things all sort of come together and, and, and create this narrative, you know, that mm-hmm. you, that you're a part of, you know, it's, it's just amazing. When he told me that I was like, oh shit. Cause he loved it. His dad was just like, how the fuck did you know that? It's like, now everybody knows that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out here on the west coast we know that we
1: <laughs> right right you're like ah, oh, the fucking vice president owned a mine you know <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of people too now that the show has come out there are lots of people moving here
0: really? we've
1: been contacted by numerous people there was already a weird movement of um and again i'll say new age which i don't think even and I think that's an irrelevant term at this point, you know, yeah. but all these new age sort of practitioners that were into Sedona and crystals because of the quartz here in Pulaski County around Lake Cumberland, a bunch of people started coming here and buying properties to create healing clinics. And there's like a long history of healing clinics here in Pulaski County that go way back, you know, to the turn of the century. And that that was always like you know one of the guys one of the articles that we found, newspaper articles talked about this doctor from India who had traveled the world and he had found this place. and he said that the energy that welled up from within the earth here he was able to channel to heal people like nowhere else he had found anywhere else in the world. Wow and that was that was in like nineteen twenty. You know, and so the Kentucky anomaly stuff didn't even come out until I think the late '60s. Already, you know, a a hundred and you know, over a hundred years ago, people were coming to this place and feeling the power here, feeling an an energy here that was affecting them, and that they were using to affect other people. And yeah, it's just it's crazy. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where it's like. How in the world would you even look at something, look at a place, and then find all of this shit? It just kept unfolding like a fucking onion. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like It was just like, holy shit. This keeps getting weirder and weirder and deeper and deeper.
0: Well, let's jump into the Green Man cult then. Ah, yeah. So, all right. (laughs) I wrote it down. We're going to get into it.
1: (laughs) After Year came out, The cabin that Amy found that had the elevator in it, we didn't go to this in the show, but that's a real place, right? There really is a cabin. My next door neighbors, which is weird. It's like my next door neighbors were the ones that told me about the murders that initially sort of started my whole investigation to tell the story. Well... After Hellyer came out, I'm over there and I'm talking to them. And I'm like, yeah, this Amy lady and these emails that intersected with what we were researching talked about this cabin with with an elevator. And they're like, oh, that's our great uncle's cabin with the elevator. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, they used it for convalescence. It was an elevator in the bathroom. So then I found another family member. That was an actual, like, grandchild. And they're like, yeah, it was a lift in the bathroom that took them down into the, to the basement, which was basically the cave system. Wow. And I was like, well, fuck. They're really, like, Amy wasn't lying. They're really, she really did break into, or, you know, they really were in a cabin with a fucking elevator.
0: Also, I just want to say you have a wife named Amy and the Amy and Hellier are completely different people. Yeah. (laughs) I just realized it might sound confusing. Yeah. (laughs) We're talking about this elevator and that's actually funny that. That's funny because like the idea of the elevator existing in this cabin, for me I was like, that can't be real. That's like this person making that up and to have you now tell me that you directly know someone who knows for sure that elevator is real and what its use was for and that it goes literally down the cave system. It's like holy shit It's
1: not it's not one person. Yeah, multiple I mean we have multiple people now that have confirmed it. They even they were like, if you want to go, we'll get the key from the current owner which is one of the grandchildren, you know, one of their, their cousins. And they are like, they even told him about it. He was like, yeah, take him out there, show it to him. You know? And I'm like, let's go. I haven't done it yet, but, but it's a weird, it's a weird place. But anyway, all of that to say that, you know, the elevator part, you know, that was the first thing that I was like, what, that's real. And, and it was like, yeah, that's, that's an actual thing. So then this, this idea of the green man cult, right? Uh So we started doing research on magical groups that could possibly have a connection here. And we found that there, there is a group called the Guidonic Order and it was founded in 1955. Um, The international headquarters was in San Francisco for most of the, the 20th century. And they worship um, Sunernos, the Horn god, Pan. Mm-hmm. They worship the green man. They talk about the green man. They practice Beltane rites. It's an international group. Uh, they all have Welsh magician names. They don't consider themselves Wiccan, and they don't consider themselves Druidic. Um, they do not Uh, practice sky clad naked, you know, naked rituals. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they, it's, it's it's interesting to read like their philosophy to their magical system, but they're, they don't do that. Um, Guadonic means scientist in Welsh. In any event, we found out that in 2004, they moved their international headquarters to Somerset, Kentucky.
0: What?
1: Yes. Right. So then you're like, whoa, what the fuck? There really is a green man cult, a cult of Pan here in Somerset, Kentucky. And I haven't been able to find any of the people yet because online they have a Facebook page, they have, you know, a website and everything, but they all use their Welsh magician names. So I don't know what their real names are, but they're here and the, in the entire international group for the whole world, all the other chapters, it's all centered here in Somerset, Kentucky. So it's like, was Amy crazy or did she actually have family members, you know, that were part of the Wadonnell order? And, and, and that's the thing too, is I don't want to say any of this to, to indicate that the guadonic order were the cult that we're talking about or that they were involved in you know child sacrifices or anything i think the guadonic order from everything i've read they're an absolutely totally normal as as far as magical groups go right (laughs) just to to say normal you know Mm -hmm. what i mean but it's like they're they're not doing anything nefarious you know it's just a group of magicians that perform magical ceremonies and 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 not in a negative way, in a very positive way. But there was a green man cult here. I mean, that's, you know, Wiccans often, you know, referred to the Gardnerian groups. You know, he, he referred to it as a cult, you know, a witch cult in in a religious sense. And so that's what this is, a green man cult. And it absolutely exists here. So Amy in Hellier absolutely may have had family members that were part of that group. And there is, you know, Big South Fork is here. It's just 30 minutes south of here. It's this part of the, you know, national forest that connects with Daniel Boone. Maybe there really were people. Perform- I mean, I know from our research, 100%, I know now, that there were magical groups in the 1970s coming from Cincinnati to Pulaski County because of this anomaly here, because of the energy here. I know that these people, these groups, there were over a hundred Wiccan covens in Cincinnati in the 1970s. There are articles about it, about how large the occult scene was in Cincinnati in the 1970s. And then the bait cabal the Cincinnati Journal of Ceremonial Magic was created by the Baker Ball, by NEMA, and this, um, oh God, it's called the Conquering Child, but it was a, it, they were an extension of the OTO.
0: Which is a Thalamic order, if people don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and they were part of uh, the Typhonian order, uh, which Kenneth Grant, who was Crowley's secretary who eventually became one of the outer heads of the OTO, he founded this Typhonian order. And a lot of their stuff involves the belief in ancient old gods, these like Cthulian, like Lovecraftian entities, which is, it, it wasn't that they were these really Cthulhu or Narla-Totep or whatever they wanted to call it, you know, Yog sothoth but they were these intelligences these information structures that existed outside of time and space that they believed were attempting to destroy humanity and this sounds totally nuts you know but it's like they really believed that these in these alien intelligences these non-human intelligences were trying to pierce into our reality and so this group NEMA founded the Horace Mayot Lodge in Cincinnati. They had this journal and they came to Pulaski County because she believed that it was part of the, um, she referred to it as the Cincinnati Vortex, but she and Kenneth Grant believed that the Adena and the Hopewell had torn open a gateway between the night side and the day side of the tree of life, and it was allowing these entities to spill through that opening. They never shut it. And so, she, you know, Nima was coming to the Daniel Boone National Forest, these people were coming to Pulaski County, and they were performing these time magic rituals, these rituals about retro causality to combat these entities that they thought were going to destroy humanity and destroy the world. And like, none of that's covered in the first season of, season of, uh, uh Penny Roll, but it's a large part of the second season. because it's just, it's a crazy story, you know? And it's like on top of everything we found, we found that also. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is going on, you know? And that's a real thing. You know, they were really here. What is all of this? What is this mystery? What is it that Greg and Dana and those guys are interacting with? Because whatever they're, in, they're interacting with led them to us. You know, we, mm-hmm. we intersected, right? And that's like, even you contacting me about this, you
0: know? I'm about to tell you something in a little bit after we record too that I think you're gonna freak out also.
1: Oh god. See, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I was like, I was like, this is gonna get this is gonna be another one of those things where I'm like, this is another piece of this, you know, because it, it's it's still unfolding like with the signs. It's like something about this, something about what we're doing and the actions we're taking are causing these people to show up it's drawing them to jarfly it's drawing them to the studio for some weird reason and they don't know why and we don't know why but i think it's because there is a broadcast of information and they're picking up on it you know and and there's there in some strange way hearing the symbols and seeing these symbols but they don't know what they are but we do and so these people that are contacting me these people that are putting up these signs to them what they're saying the message they're broadcasting doesn't mean anything but if you're inside this mystery if you're looking at it from our perspective what they're saying makes perfect fucking sense and that's what's terrifying <laughs>
0: This has just been fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Nathan, and sharing all that you have about Penny Royal. And if you would like to go ahead and tell everyone where they can find it, obviously I'll link everything below. But any any place people can come check out your work, find the podcast or whatever you're up to.
1: The podcast is out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the other platforms. You can also go to pennyroyalpodcast.com. We've also got a Patreon going called the liminal lodge Uh, definitely check that out we're putting all of our research we do uh, live streams on monday i'm doing all the extended audio on fridays of stuff that we didn't release that i just couldn't put in the first season and then we're making all of our uh, data mining software Uh, we have a channel bot that we released last week which allows people to channel information using a quantum random computer oh, cool. <laughs> so that that that, that darian developed which we've been using and so like yeah it's just like a lot of this stuff you know that as we put together the second season it's just so much information it's so much so many documents and so much evidence and newspaper clippings and all the stuff that we found to go through it just takes hours and hours to put all of this together and so in building a community around it and putting it all out there hopefully that together all of us can kind of work and just see like people are going to find things that we didn't see and that we wouldn't have even thought of and that's what I'm excited about is to sort of as this unfolds and as we get deeper into this mystery to say you know to figure out what's happening that more people will join us you know and 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 kind of look at it so yeah you know hit patreon look up penny royal or the Liminal lodge and um yeah you know come along because it's a weird fucking journey
0: <laughs> <laughs> well if you would like to find me you can find me at mothmana.com for any information on readings or my digital art you can also find me on instagram at mothmanotaro and on Twitter, which is new for me, at Mana Allen And if you would like to join the hordes and support the podcast in my underworldian city, you can come hang out on patreon.com mothmana. So thank you again, Nathan, for coming on. It was awesome to talk to you.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. This was awesome.